welcome to the new episode of Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Uh, today, my guest, very venerable guest, is the retiring Bob Waddell. That's the retiring Bob Waddell, certainly not the shy retiring Bob Waddell, um, judging by some of the, st- the stories that I've been hearing, Bob. <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you for joining me on your last work, your last yep. work, your last week, rather. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure. <laughs> we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, the 29th of March, and you're going to be retiring in two days' time. I think this will go out the week following that. How are you feeling at the moment? Um, a little bit strange. It's, it's a very strange feeling after almost, well, just three months shy of 43 years working for the NHS Procurement wow. Service and always working full-time to actually, you know, now not be working anymore full-time and it's mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit strange to be honest um it it's it, it hasn't really hit me yet it's funny um it, it's starting to now when i'm sort of winding things down uh for example today at work i deleted all my email archives going back 20 years wow i think it have probably saved money on a new server you know because the <laughs> the volume of the stuff that's gone so you know that's sort of bringing it home, and I've had I've had one or two sort of very personal good wishes from people as well, early ones, you know, which brings it home, and it's really nice. But I look forward to it. But as I say, yeah. it's What's this sort of first thing that you're thinking about in terms of retirement? You know, uh, do you have things already lined up where you've you've thought for many years? When I'm retired, I'd really like to commit some time to this. Well, I mean, I've got I've got quite a quite a bit of um, stuff that that's ongoing anyway. I mean, people may not know this, but um, I'm a magistrate and I have been for many years. Uh, so I'm I'm still going to do that, but I'm not going to tell them that I've retired from full time work. Otherwise, they'll have me in every week. Um, <laughs> so I'm still going to do that. Um, I am going to use the opportunity to devote more time to my beloved Newcastle Ravens Rugby Club, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really good. Um, And of course, I'm going to remain as a trustee for the HCSA, which is wonderful because that really means a lot to me because it's going to keep me involved professionally because I don't want to just cut all the ties and just go, you know. I think that would be be much harder. Uh, And I do think, you know, that um, I've still got a bit I can usefully contribute to the HCSA, um, in my trusteeship, I've got learning and development as mm-hmm. my particular area of interest, which has been a passion for my whole career, actually. So it's perfect for me. So, yeah, um, I'll still be doing that. But I mean, it's going to be other nice things as well, like um, at 6.30 on a winter's morning when the sleet's bashing against the window, uh, turning over and going back to sleep. Uh, it's going to be traveling. Uh, there's places where uh, my partner and I really want to go. Um, and you know we've now got the perfect opportunity to do that, uh, and it's just generally just enjoying it. Really, you know, people say that the first ten years of your retirement are the golden years, mm-hmm. when you should really try and fit as much in as you can, you know, before you get too old to enjoy it. So I'm I'm taking that as very good advice, and uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm gonna. I was gonna ask you about the being a magistrate thing. Uh, I might as well do it now since you touched on it there. How did you get involved in that? Um, just you know, just as a point of uh, interest, many years ago, I, I was a, I, I started off actually as a news reporter, local news reporter for Trinity Mirror Group, 
and one of the things that I had to do was courts reporting mm. and courts reporting and coroners and those sorts of things. So obviously I went down to the courts. Um, I'd go down probably like once a week, spend an afternoon there or, or see if there's anything interesting had come up to cover. So I was, you know, I, I dealt with magistrates quite a lot of the time and saw how they, they behave. So first of all, I'm interested to know how you got involved in that. And then the other thing I was going to ask is, um, what kind of a magistrate are you? Because I remember when I was reporting back in the day doing course point, there was all there was all kinds of different types of magistrates. There was some that just sort of got in and done it and got out. There was some that sort of were almost self had a sort of self styled magistrate personality <laughs> to go with the way that they conducted themselves. So first of all, how did you get into it, Bob? It was it was about. When, you know, 15, between 15 and 20 years ago, I can't remember, but um, a, a friend of mine had to go to court as a witness to a magistrate's court for a trial. Right. And I went along just to sort of support, give some moral support. I'd never been in a courtroom in my life and was absolutely fascinated by it. Um, the, the, the court usher at New, Newcastle, it was Newcastle Magistrates Court in the old court, which is a real old fashioned court. It's exactly as you would imagine it to be on the TV, you know, with the 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 dock where the the, the defendant stands being in the yeah. middle of the court with yeah. railings around it and they go down the stairs in the middle of the court to exit. Exactly as you see when, you know, normally on Coronation Street, somebody's in court, you know, it's exactly like that. Yeah. Um, and, and the usher sort of took me under his wing because uh, he could see I was interested and he explained everything to me and, I was absolutely fascinated by it. And I thought, you know, this is something I really, really would be interested in pursuing. Yeah. So I did. Uh, and it, it's not easy to get into. It was two extremely difficult interviews. Um, but but I I got I got into it. And then in, in the fullness of time after doing it for a few years, became uh, qualified as a, a presiding justice, um, used to be called a bench chairman. Mm -hmm. um, but now they're called presiding justices, and uh, I've been happily doing that uh, ever since. It's it, it really it gets the brain going, and it mm -hmm. really fascinates me, uh, and and certainly opens your eyes as well. I mean, you know, during the course of my career as a magistrate, I've I've seen some amazing things, heard some amazing things, but really enjoy it, uh, and still do enjoy it, and really get a lot from it. Uh, and the idea was actually thinking ahead at that time when I retire then this is something that I can still do and it's still going to force me to get my brain into gear yeah. and you know, actually shave and wash and put a suit on <laughs> and actually go in and, 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 you know, do something, do something useful. Uh, so, you know, I am pleased, as I say, I am pleased to be still doing it. I'm still going to do it as well. Do you have one magistrate story that, that springs to mind immediately? If someone asks you, give me a magistrate story. Oh God! Well, the 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 the, the well, the funniest, um, and I'll censor the rude word, but you'll get you'll get it. <laughs> was when I when I was training, I was um, mentored by a lady, a, a dear dear sweet lady, who was your typical vision of a magistrate from years gone by. Lady of the Manor, cut glass, plum plum tones, and. Um, uh, she was she was charming. She was lovely. She had the best of a rude stories in Northumberland, but that's an aside. But anyway, we, we were sitting in court and there was this defendant in the dock swearing. And, uh, you know, she was she was an un 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 uneducated 
lady who didn't really have a particularly vast vocabulary in any way. She yeah. was using the F word quite a bit. So Susie told her off at least twice for swearing. And at the finish, she said, Madam, she said, if you swear once more in this court, I will hold you in contempt. I am sorry, she says, I just cannot effin help myself. <laughs> you can imagine when everybody wants to laugh in the court. Yeah. Of course, Susie didn't see the funny side of it. But but that was I rem- I remember that. That was that was quite funny. But um, you know, you and, and you you do get some funny things. You get some sad things as well. You get some desperately sad things, and you've got to be able to sort of switch off. You know, when you actually go out of the mm-hmm. court, and you leave it behind you, and that's actually probably one of the nice things about that as something to do. It's not like work where you know you you take so much stuff home with you, and your mind's going all the time, and you think about oh, I must do that, and I must do this. With with that job, you can go in, you do it, and then once you've done it, you leave and you leave it behind you. So that's that's quite good. So I was going to ask you about there's a couple there's a, a couple of um I've been tipped off on a couple of things to ask you about, mm-hmm. which I'm going to which I'm going to spring on you. But prior to to that, uh, I guess uh, I remember talking to I was talking to a couple of people in the past who've retired or been close to retiring, and I always like to ask the question or the two two sides of the question which is first of all as you say over 40 years in the game as it were what achievement would you like left as kind of your legacy if you like one particular achievement that jumps out first of all uh my my biggest pride is uh, in the, the work that I've done as a task force trainer, mm-hmm. which I did for many years for, started off with NHS supplies and then went to the Crown Commercial Service, uh, buying solutions. And that was uh, a voluntary thing. It was over and above the day job, but obviously related to it, delivering procurement training uh, around the country to um, usually sort of junior and middle middle level procurement stuff and I have trained thousands of people in my career uh, I've met some wonderful people and it's really nice to be able to think that you've been able to help those people uh, you know with with developing their career and, and mm-hmm. you know benefit of experience or whatever else um, I've always been a huge believer in that even employing staff for my own team I'm always prepared to give uh, people an opportunity to prove mm-hmm. themselves uh, because I think, and, and, and you know, usually, okay, it, it, it's gone wrong once, I think, in my career where we, we didn't make the right appointment. But normally um, I've, I've, I've employed some wonderful young people who have sort of developed and come through the ranks and, and achieved quite senior things in, in procurement, not just in the NHS, they've moved on. And it's, it's really nice to think that you've had a hand in sort of doing, you know, helping with that and developing that. And I think that's that, that really is my sort of legacy because at the end of the day, nobody goes on forever and people do retire and leave. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think that some of the, the knowledge that I've achieved over the many years I've been doing this is instilled in other people to help them develop. And, in, and of course, that is almost like the classic example of a legacy. 
you're literally leaving you know a variety mm. of people behind who have had careers yeah. whether they've stayed directly in its hippocumen or have moved on from there so the other side of that coin is might be quite a difficult question perhaps something might jump out straight away which is do you do you have a do you have a singular regret that sticks out in your 40 years i don't think i have to be honest um i i could have i, I could have taken my career in in different ways um i i've tended to focus more on the operational side of procurement because mm-hmm. that's the sort of person i am um i mean i've 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 done contracting but it hasn't been my sort of first first love as it were i'm very much a uh, a sort of um, operational type person. Let's let's make this work, and uh, let's ensure that stuff actually gets to the people who need it. You know, the patients that we look yeah. after in the NHS. Um, so, you know, I, I I guess if if I'd taken a different route, I could have probably maybe done a different career path and gone into bigger and better things. But to be honest, I've really enjoyed what I've done, and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't I wouldn't change it at all. I'm going to drop a couple of bombs in you now, Bob, so I hope you're ready for them. The first one is, I've been told, I've been instructed to ask this question, honestly. Why do some people call you Nana? Right, okay. And I I will, before we start, I will Mm. say a big thank you to Alan Hoskins, (laughs) where that's come from. (laughs) I can can confirm or deny. One of my, one of my, (laughs) one of my, uh, passions is is rugby union. Um, I've been involved in rugby union for most of my life, um, and I'm past chairman of the Newcastle Ravens Rugby Club, who are the only inclusive um, LGBT rugby club in the northeast. Uh, and basically, I am one of the uh, longest serving. I am the longest serving member of the club, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm also one of the oldest people in the club. And all the the young the young lads in the club, well, the young ladies now as well, because we're mixed, um, have sort of adopted me as their old nana. Uh, and <laughs> I'm old. That's where I get the name from, you know. Uh, and and I'm universally known as nana. Um, and I take it as a compliment because it's meant nicely, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is. It is meant kindly. Um, but it, it's a bit strange at times, though, because I'm so used to it. Um, I was visiting my mum in a, where she lives in a care home and I was this little little wee lassie in uh, and she kept talking to her grandmother who was in there and she said Nana and every time she said Nana I looked because I thought <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> happy days happy days and, that, and that's so that nickname is, is bled into your professional Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's it. universal. I mean, I'm stuck with it. Even if, <laughs> even if, I, even if I didn't like it, uh, I'm, I'm stuck with that. I'm stuck with it. <laughs> no the, the, the other, um, the the other bomb question, which again may or may not have come from Alan Huskins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not prepared to. Uh, you know, grass and whoever was responsible for this. No, no. But they simply said. Ask Bob about the Bishop incident, okay. which could conjure up any number of things. Yeah. But I think, Bob, it would be good for you to clarify. What is the, the Bishop incident? Well, this this goes back to 2000 and 
17, was it 15 or 17? Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, the rugby club were on tour. We were at a tournament called the Union Cup, which is the big European tournament, which that year was held in Madrid. And it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And as part of the uh, social side of the tour, we always have a fancy dress night. And it's always themed. So bear in mind, there was, I think, 30 of us there from the club. And the theme for the fancy dress was Vickers and Tarts. Mm -hmm. So everybody, as you can imagine, there were, there was, there were Vickers, there were nuns, there were, there were Tarts, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the whole thing. And, and they, they sort of said, well, you're going to have to lead us. So I thought, well, okay, I'll outstage the lot of you. And I got... Um, a, a basically a bishop's outfit, you know, with the high mitre, the red robes, the whole lot. And it was basically, it was it was full pontifical drag, if you like. Yeah. So anyway, um, we were we were out in Madrid, and bear in mind, this is a Catholic country, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I was worried about it at first. I thought, oh, goodness me, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble here. But as it was, it was fine, because we weren't being offensive. We were just no. being funny, you know, and they, and they no. loved it. They, you know, the, the, the Spaniards absolutely loved it. Mm. But um, anyway, uh, it was about midnight in the middle of, in the middle of uh, Madrid, uh, Gran Via, and we were at a pedestrian crossing waiting across the road and somebody started singing the thing from Sister Act, I Will Follow Him, and everybody joined in. So I was skipping across the middle of Gran Via with like 30 <laughs> assorted nuns, vicars and tarts behind me and we brought the whole centre of Madrid to a standstill. It was, it was absolutely hysterical. And somebody actually captured it on video and I've got oh, the video. Oh, well, we're, but I tell you what, we'll have, we will share that when, when this podcast comes out. Well, it's it's just hysterical. It, it's so funny. It's so funny. So yes, make... that's that's the bishop story, and and I know that Mr. Hoskins has put you up to that because <laughs> that's that's one of the things he absolutely loves. Make make sure you keep an eye on our Twitter account at HCSA at HCSA procurement, and we'll make sure that that goes out with it. Do you still have the bishop's outfit? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You still got? Did you buy it? Because generally, no, yeah. I mean, it's, to rent it's, those things. Well, there's this wonderful uh, place you can buy things called Wish.com. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with it. It takes it takes yeah. six weeks to come from. Yeah. It's, it's, I think China, most of it comes yeah, from. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and I mean, it's 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 not. Not, not 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 often not quite as advertised, but no, no. But I mean, this looks the part. I mean, it looks yeah. the business, you know. So okay, it's it's paper thin, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. But I, I think the Archbishop of Canterbury might turn his nose up and probably wouldn't wear <laughs> it. But you know, it did the job for me. It was all right. I'm, I'm impressed that you actually fully invested in get getting one. Have you? I'm, I'm almost quite worried about asking this question, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Have you had call to wear that costume again? Uh, yes, I have. I, I, I have. Uh, we 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 uh, on a, on a holiday. Uh, we had a, a similar fancy dress theme because uh, there's, there's a whole group of us always go away in November yeah. to uh, Winter Pride in Gran Canaria, mm. and uh, that the, we normally have a, a themed evening there as well. And it was it was the same thing. It was it was vicars and nuns and whatever else, mm. and. Uh, so the costume went, uh, but uh, I had a rival actually because one of one of the guys who was um, in our in our group uh, bought the same costume as mine. So we had two popes. So that would never do. But Dean had the advantage because Dean's actually uh, Dean's got mobility issues and he he, he had a mobility scooter. Right. So basically, we made this mobility scooter into a pope mobile and ah, uh, brilliant. 
As soon as you said mobility scooter, <laughs> I was thinking, I hope he turned that into a boat mobile. <laughs> well, yeah, we did. We turned it into a boat mobile and I was fashion like whatever. And it was, it was, it was so funny because Dean was Dean was shown off driving this thing. And I happen to know that mobility scooters have got a speed control on them. So as he was chugging along quite slowly, I just leaned over and whipped it up to high speed and he just shot away across the pavement. <laughs> But yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Happy days. Uh, you know, clearly rugby plays a large part in your life and, and you know, recreationally. And obviously, it's as you've said before, it's obviously a keen passion of yours. Yeah. Was, that, was that from childhood? I mean, are you, are you kind of, uh, are you um, born and bred around, you know, the Newcastle area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm born, I was born, uh, I'm, I'm Northumbrian rather yeah. than, than from Newcastle. And there's right. a, there's a, a difference. My my um, family are from a, a sort of mining background. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, my dad was a a miner for for most of his career, uh, and he was one of the last uh, real sort of pitmatic pitmatic pitmen who've got the real sort of uh, Northumbrian pitmatic accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was he was one of the last he was one of the last to sort of have that really, um, and. Um, yeah, I mean, he 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 passed away about what seven eight years ago now, um, and and he was he, he was the end of an era, and he was he was a huge influence on me. Uh, you know, he was so proud that that uh, I was I myself and my sister both did sort of well in our careers. You know, and he said that the one the one thing I was never ever going to do was follow him into the the coal mining industry. Mm-hmm. Not that I ever wanted to. I might add. Yeah. But uh, you know that was a relief from him. So, um, but yeah, that's my background. Um, and uh, yeah, just just you know, ordinary, completely ordinary, laid back person. Um, I'm, I'm I don't think I've got airs and graces. I'm very much a sort of people person. I see people for who they are, you know. And and uh, I've 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 met some really good friends on that basis. You know, with me, I'm a what you see is what you get kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, Bob? I was going to ask you something. Obviously, a lot. There's a lot. When I've done, I've done quite a few of these podcasts now, and one of the things that comes up from people who have been in the industry for for you know quite a long time is that when they think back, they can always think of a, a particular mentor early on that was really key to them in their career. It occurs to me that probably quite a lot of people would, would uh, mention you in that role as as being a mentor to them now, but. I was going to ask whether there was anyone that that stood out in your mind when you was first in the industry that you felt was key to you that that you you know you might want to mention. I I had a, a boss uh, in the early eighties at Ashington General Hospital who was the unit administrator, a guy called Frank Ward, who was a complete character. Uh, he was he was this guy who uh, he liked he liked to drink uh, he, he liked to drink quite a lot um, uh, but he was really clever at what he did and he knew he knew that if you went in to see uh, well it wasn't Frank it was Mr Ward I mean in those days it was you know you were you were very very formal but yeah. if you had to go and see Mr Ward about anything you could guarantee he would know the answer. Uh, I don't think I ever went to him when he, he he sort of said, do you know what? I haven't got a clue. He would say, right, okay, I know this. He says, we can do this, 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 and this. 
And the thing, the thing I liked about him was that he would, if he told you to do something and you did it and it went horribly wrong, he would take the responsibility for it. He wouldn't actually right. put the responsibility onto you that it was your fault because he didn't do it right, you know? Um, and and I really I really liked him for that. Uh, and as I say, he had a wealth of knowledge. Um, <clears throat> I worked with him very closely when we commissioned Life Community Hospital in Northumberland. Uh, I was I worked on the commissioning team with him, and the guy had an absolute encyclopedic brain. And I learned a lot from him in in subsequent years when I've commissioned things, uh, you know, new builds and and ward refurbs and things. And I, and I often I often think, you know, what would what would Frank Ward do? <laughs> and and you know, you normally you normally get the right answer. So yeah, yeah. He, he was a he was a character to say the least. Well, as you're going to be leaving the industry, so to speak, because as you said, you will be thankfully remaining as a HSA trustee. Uh, it was interesting to hear you uh, saying that that's actually almost quite comforting for you mm. as you retire. That there's, you're still going to have that link there. I know everyone at HSA is very, you know, glad that you're going to you're going to be there as well in that in that position. I was just going to ask you a little bit about HSA. Obviously, you know, just celebrated uh, sixty years the HSA. How important do you think the HSA has been during your period in the uh, procurement community? And also, where do you think what role do you think it can play going forward, or should be playing going forward? Yeah. I, I, I think HCSA has come on leaps and bounds over the last few years. Um, I, if I'm honest, 20 years ago, it was seen as a bit of an old boys club. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it certainly isn't that now. I think HCSA has got a huge part to play because it is the only association that is specifically for health service procurement. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a member of SIPS. And I was on SIPS National Council for a while. I was an elected member on the SIPS National Council, so was involved in the governance of SIPS. And they haven't got, or they didn't have at the time, a clue about the NHS because the NHS is a completely different animal. It's a completely different beast. You know, you get people in who are experienced procurement professionals into the NHS and it's like a complete culture shock because it's very different. It's different to industry. Very, very different. Sure. Uh, so I think I think certainly the the HCSA has got a huge part to play in uh, developing staff and and you know you would expect me to say learning and development obviously because mm-hmm. that's part of my trustee responsibility. But uh, you know the, the the learning and development potential that HCSA has got to develop procurement staff is immense, mm-hmm. and it, it's really good that at the minute. We are developing that big style. Um, we're going to do quite a lot on on L and D. We've got we've got some funding from from the centre mm-hmm. to support that, which is really good. Um, and and Mark Ibbotson is is working like crazy to get stuff get stuff in place. To and that. yeah, and indeed the, uh, the in fact the previous supply cars we spoke to Mark uh, Ibbotson. If you want to hear more about. The LND, the exciting, very exciting LND stuff that is coming up from HTSA, the investment that you've just referred to there, Bob, etc. Mark outlines all that and where everything is heading in the supply cast. So make sure you listen to Mark's supply cast. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's definitely a, that's a, that's a key area of, of of 
progress that we're going for. The other one that I know that that I've sort of that I'm you know that we're all very keen on at the moment, and that I'm going to lead uh, part of in terms is it, it's just pro- spreading um, the diversity in terms of not just sort of you know gender and ethnicity, but also um, in terms of age groups. You mentioned the fact about you know the HTSA having an old boys network connotation to it years previously and we're working on junior and younger members of the community and getting them engaged fully with the HTSA which again is is all part of progress so and it's it'll be great that as a trustee you'll be able to you know uh, have your input there I would support that I mean I totally support that that's what I do I mean that links in really really well with my work with the the Newcastle Ravens as I said where the Northeast Sony um, inclusive LGBT rugby club. And, you know, it is, that was, the, the Ravens were actually created to, to break down barriers, to, mm-hmm. to give rugby as a sport to people to whom it wouldn't previously be an option because of sure. prejudices and stereotypes and things. Yeah. So, you know, uh, as, as far as that goes, totally up for that as well. I think, you know, the HCSA has got a, a huge place, a part to play with that. Um, and you know we've got we've got the vehicles to do that as well. I mean, you know the 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 annual conference is a is a really good mm-hmm. thing. If if we could open that up maybe and make that more accessible to people, um, people will get a lot from it. Um, and and try and try and encourage more at a, a local level. I know that the the national council are beefing that up. Uh, I know from um, the the council rep who took over from me when I became a trustee. Uh, you know, is putting stuff out and, you know, we're trying to sort of encourage people at a local level to become more involved. So yep. all good, really. I mean, I think the future is really bright for HCSA and I think there's an absolutely enormous place for it within within the NHS procurement community. You mentioned the conferences there. It's a good opportunity for me just to uh, point out that summer conference is coming up uh, 16th, 17th of June. Uh, you can book your ticket for that online so make sure you go to the events section on the brand new HSA brand new shiny yeah new and improved modern progressive HSA website go on there to the event section and you'll see a place where you can book your ticket for that and obviously the winter conference will be coming up as usual in November as as well uh, there's also, by the way, there's also sponsorship uh, places available in the summer conference too. So again, if you want to support that conference, then uh, there's opportunity to do that as well. Uh, you just have to email Kathy Bitson and it's sbcurement.org.uk. Uh, Bob, on that matter, actually, are, are we still going to be seeing you knocking around the HSA conferences for the foreseeable future? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. of course. I, Absolutely. Absolutely. I was actually yeah. sat next to you at the uh, gala dinner. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You know, I enjoy. I really enjoyed <laughs> the HCSA conferences. Really, really good. Um, I went to my. I went to my first one. That was my first one in. Oh in right, Denver okay. Because COVID had prevented me from going to any prior to that. Right. But that okay. was my first one, and I must admit, I, th- I thought it was both an excellent event and uh, and a lot and a lot of fun as well. It was so. good, and I mean, I'm 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 gonna I'll be I'll be in, involved a little bit in the the PDP program as well in October. Sure. Mark's Excellent. got me roped into that, you know, which is which is all good. Um, you know, I'm 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 keen to be somebody who is uh, able to sort of give something, and you know, uh, as as a trustee, it's it's not about 
sort of sitting on my hands. If there's something I can do to sort of help, then I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. And it's nice now that I've got a little bit more time that I can sure. do that without feeling pressurized and uh, time constrained and whatever else. So, yeah. Great. Well, well, Bob, I'm now going to uh, whisk you off to the last part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. This means that you're heading towards the Desert Island Supplies area of the podcast. Uh, regular listeners to this show will know that that means that I'm going to ask you to take one luxury item, one music album from an artist of your choice, and a film with you. That's the only film you'll be able to watch ever again. That's the only album, music album from an artist you'll be able to uh, listen to ever again. And the luxury item, well, I don't know, whatever springs to mind. So, Bob, I'm going to start you with the luxury item. What, what are you taking to, to the little HTSA island? My iPad. Okay. That was very quick. You knew that straight away. Is that my your favourite gadget? I mean, I mean basically, basically, my iPad contains my life. Um, <laughs> from somebody who um, five years ago had a mobile phone that everybody laughed at because it was 10 years old. Right. Uh, and I was eventually bullied into getting an iPhone yep. five years ago. And I've now got uh, about four boxes because I just get new ones every year. <laughs> yeah, it's got you in there now. That's how they get you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've got yeah. hold of you now. So you're taking your, your iPad. Yeah. Uh, what music would you take? One of my... Um, Favorite, favorite, favorite ever groups are an American group called Sparks. Sure, absolutely. And and I was I was so so disappointed uh, about three or four years ago. Now there's a there's a music venue in, in Newcastle called the Boiler Shop, mm-hmm. uh, where they do all sorts of things, bonkers bingo and things like that. But anyway, I found out the day after that Sparks had been on there the oh, day before, no. and I missed it. And and what made it worse was the next week I was sitting at uh, North Tyneside Magistrates Court talk, uh, sitting with a, a lady who I hadn't sat with before called um, Pam Pam Clouston, and I was telling her about this, mm. and she says, well, Bob, she says, I'm going to really make this worse. I said, what? <laughs> I she there. says, well, my, my husband and I actually own that venue and run no. it. She said, and if we'd known you wanted to go, she says, I could have got you a ticket. I mean... That, that oh, could have cried. No. That, that, that's no. just made it worse. Just made it worse. Do you know what? Yeah, that, that was a bit cruel of her, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. She, she, she should have kept it to say, herself. She should have well, kept it to did, herself. No, she did say, you know, she did say, I'm going to spoil it and make it worse. But she said, because she was a fan as well, and she said she'd gone and thoroughly enjoyed it, you know. She <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, so. that, that, that's nice for her. Didn't help you much, but, you know. No, no, it didn't. Didn't. <laughs> it, didn't. it didn't. Have you seen the uh, documentary? There was a recent documentary that Edgar Wright made about the Sparks. Yes, but yes, 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 yes. It was it good, was. wasn't it? I saw it myself not that long ago. Fabulous, fabulous. I mean, just really, really, really like them. So it would be something It would be something from them. Um, yeah. I'm not sure which one, but it would be one of theirs, I think. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and now I'm going to, yeah, the film. Now, now the film, you've got your Sparks, you've got your iPad. You might be listening to Sparks mm-hmm. through your iPad. Uh, I, film. Right. One of the... One of the one of the best. Uh, this is this is going to sound really sad, okay? Because I, I can be quite sad sometimes. But one of the one of the films I really really enjoyed relatively recently 
Uh, I use. I was a huge fan of Downton Abbey. Yeah. And I was so sad when that series ended because I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and then, then Downton Abbey the movie came out. Right. And yep. I've got to say that is one of the best movies I'd seen for youngs. It just shows how sad I am and how. I don't go to the cinema very often these days, you know, because the one that comes to mind for a recent a recent movie is Downton Abbey, and mm-hmm. I must have watched it about three times, and I can't wait for the new one. Uh, I think I think Maggie Smith is just absolutely wonderful in it, you know. So, yeah. So yeah, I think I think top of my head it would be that. I could probably think of something else, but you've put me on the spot, and and, that, and that's it's... one of the recent ones I've really enjoyed. Is that sort of a is that sort of a comfort thing for you as well, Downton Abbey? Yeah, I'm, comfort I'm like zone it. as I'm well. Like I used to like upstairs, downstairs as well. Back in the seventies, when I was a kid, I used to watch that, you know. And I'm 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 into sort of period drama and things like that, you know. That's yeah. it's it's. I always remember my my grandmother watching upstairs, downstairs when I was little, and I didn't realise, but my 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 nana uh, used to be in service. She she was a domestic servant around about that time, and she was not very happy because apparently the lady on upstairs downstairs wasn't blacklit in the grate correctly. Uh, you don't do it that way. You do this, which I thought was quite nice. <laughs> to you. Well, Bob, it's, it's been brilliant talking to you. Uh, I think it just reminds me to uh, wish you a very happy retirement. Delighted that you're still going to be staying on the capacity of HCSA, which means people will still be able to see you when you, attend the HSA conferences, which would be nice for everyone. Yep. So I'm going to say good luck into your retirement. Uh, Bob Waddell, Bishop, Magistrate, Nana. <laughs> this goes on. I promise I won't bring the Bishop's costume to HSA. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of insistent. I think that'd yeah, be brilliant. If, you're, if you were sitting there in the main auditorium, just wearing your Bishop's <laughs> Thank you anyway, Bruce. I've, I've, I hope people I hope people enjoy listening to that, my ramblings, but I've really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. If you come to the conference and you sit in the auditorium, just m- maybe be an idea to take your hat off, though. It might block the view. Behind you. <laughs> that's great. Thanks, Bob. That's, that's fantastic. Thanks for joining me this week. Thank you. Uh, that concludes it for this week, and I hope you can join me on the next episode of Supplycast. Bye.